everyone and welcome back to Deconstructing Damsels. I know we took about a month's vacation. Honestly, I just was doing three things. Sleeping, working, and reading. That was it. Anything that required anything else just kind of did not happen. I know, I'm sorry, but you get a new episode on Pi Day. Hello. It's like literally been a month, but whatever. It's a Pi Day thing, which is how I picked this book and I'll tell you all about it in a minute. I just wanted to kind of give a shout out to everyone that listens, who comments, who gives me any kind of feedback. And also I want to say thank you to the uh, hashtag Lady Pod Squad. You guys always have my back. You know, I'm always in the follow Fridays and I try and do that, but if I'm working, it makes it kind of difficult, but I do appreciate it. And I, all that kind of feeling of camaraderie really, really helps me with this podcast. And I just wanted to give you guys a total shout out. So it's the entire hashtag, not just one or two, but I will say that the Queen's Table has been unexpectedly really supporting of the podcast and that's kind of awesome. Okay, so today it's just me. There is no guest. Sorry guys. Instead, you just kind of have to listen to me talk about a book that I picked purely like two days ago because it's pie day. The book today we're going to be talking about is called Baking for Keeps by Jessica Gilmore. And it's an interesting Bachelor's Bake Off book, which apparently is part of the series. I don't know. I just picked it purely because I went, well, I like the name. I'm a very simple creature sometimes, guys. Very, very simple. That's why I have a creature of my own. So in it, you have Lacey Hathaway and you have Zach Malone. And they're kind of having an interesting courtship and relationship amidst all this kind of internal conflict. And Gilmore does a really good job of putting that internal conflict. I'll talk about all that again in a few minutes, but I'm just giving you guys a heads up. But first, a promo. And this week's promo goes to Not Your Little Lady. It's a Southern woman <laughs> podcast that talks about what it's like to be in the South and what really makes a lady in the South. Not necessarily the Scarlet at Terra type of Southern lady. They talk about a whole bunch of different stuff, and I really think you guys should listen to it. So listen up. And then we'll get right back to the book. Stay tuned. Hey there, it's Allison Carter. I'm the host of the podcast, Not Your Little Lady. Each episode features a woman living in the South outside of socially accepted norms. Listen and relate as these women share stories about obstacles they faced and how it feels to come out on the other side. We talk about things that pissed us off, the booze we like to drink, and historical women who have made a difference. Through all this, we explore the importance of women owning their past, present, and future while keeping it light and funny. You can find episodes, which are released every other Wednesday, on most podcast listening apps or at notyourlittlelady.com. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at ladiesofnyll and on Facebook and Instagram at notyourlittlelady. Happy listening, y'all! Okay, so I was talking about Zach and... Lacey and one thing I really appreciated was the fact that the characters are grounded within themselves you know like you sometimes you can read it and you don't really know how the characters roll out and I don't read a lot of contemporary and for whatever reason I seem to end up in the west every time I do but what I kind of appreciate is is the fact that these are characters that are well grounded and they kind of work together I have some problems which we'll talk about because it's me but I have some definite problems and we'll go over that. But I appreciate it when Lacey knows who she is, she knows what she is. 
she may have some kind of like quarter life crisis going on because she's just 25 but she's very solid in who she is as a person and she doesn't find it a distraction necessarily. She's career-wise, she's kind of like on the fringe, but in the world of being someone that ran with her family and her family are musicians that have traveled worldwide multiple times and she kind of landed back in the heart of Marietta, Montana, and she kind of found her place with her family and I think that's really important for her because she was feeling kind of at loose ends being a traveling nomad because it's not something she really wanted. But I definitely appreciated that. Oh, and by the way, I totally picked this book because of the, oh no, I know the reason I picked this book. Marietta. I actually picked Marietta based on the fact that I live in Georgia and there's a Marietta, Georgia. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is unique. I kind of can deal with it. This is kind of cool. So I was like, all right. And then, you know, I went from there. I'm again, a very simple creature sometimes. I like the fact that Lacey enjoyed her small town. I don't know how many people are in Marietta. My guess was somewhere around 20,000 because the way this town is described, it's got like a very clear city center, like a little town center, but there are little patches and frameworks where they need more infrastructure and stuff like that. So, and one thing I actually liked about Zach, her love interest in the book is he also understood himself, but I think he was a little bit too hard on himself. Something I can kind of understand. I don't know if the rest of you can, but I'm way too much of a perfectionist on my given day. So let's get into Lacey though, because I really want to talk about her because it's pretty interesting to see what's going on. And in the case of, uh, oh, I should mention this book. <laughs> I bought it for $2.99 on Amazon and it was published in 2017. Okay, I'm all over the place today. I actually have notes, guys. I know, I actually do have notes. They're just really hard to understand. So one of my favorite things about Lacey is, is Lacey very much has her own sense of humor about her limitations. Girl can't cook. Everyone in her family may, but she ain't one of them. And I appreciate that because there's something that's very authentic about that because not everybody's gonna be good at everything. And at 25, she shouldn't be an expert at everything. She should be learning more things about herself, about what she can and can't do, all that kind of stuff. And there's a line in it where Aunt Patty, who I'll talk about in a few minutes, she goes, Aunt Patty says baking is simple chemistry, which is bad news for those of us who struggle to fill their science requirement in college. Hi. I took a, not paleontology, that's the wrong one. I took a geology online. Whew, wrong one. Talked about paleontology a little bit, but still a wrong course. But I took that in college online because I was like, yeah, no. I also took astronomy for one semester because we'd have a year and a half to graduate. And so I was like, alrighty, we, we fulfilled my oddly specific requirements there. And I also like the fact that Lacey was very much about her community and that kind of wraps into her empathy because she understands things. Like she's got this entire community that she didn't really belong to in the beginning because she came in the last two years of high school and she was just tired of bouncing from place to place to place. She didn't want to be homeschooled. She didn't want to have tutors. She just wanted to have a really nice solid foundation and I get that because that's what a lot of kids need and want and we don't always get it but she had the ability to take it and she did and you know at 25 she's been there about nine years ten years so almost a decade and she's kind of learned a little bit about Marietta about the people there about how they work how they connect She's kind of a loner though, and I think part of that is, is because when you move from school to school as your mom and dad are doing different things and you don't really put down roots, it makes it really hard to kind of create lifelong friendships, but I kind of wish she had had that. 
I feel like that was one of the things that were really missing for her was that kind of camaraderie outside of her family. She needed to have someone that she could just go to and have a conversation with and she didn't have that. And so I kind of think that was missing a little bit in her overall arc. And, you know, she was very good at her job as a media grad and running the radio station and being like, you know, a radio host during the go home traffic time and stuff and creating all these documentaries and stuff like that. She did a really good job of that. But, you know, it's a missing element to that, I think, somewhat. But I definitely appreciated the fact that she understood when things go wrong. She can look at someone's name and be like, okay, they're not going to appreciate this, so let's give them that. And I think that's kind of an important balance. And she's very self-aware. Like, she knows what she wants. Again, may not know career-wise. She's still on the discovery on that. But on her overall drive, she knows what she wants. And I think that that's really important, especially when you're coming from a family that apparently all gets married at 25 as women. It's an odd, odd quirk. I, I, I had a little bit of trouble sometimes keeping up with the, the way that these were framed because it'd be like a hundred years ago or so and like her great, great grandmother came over and I'm like, yo, was everybody like 15 when they got married? Because you guys described it as they were like 25. So I'm, anyway, it's a thing that bothered me. But I appreciated the fact that she was self-aware of what she wanted out of love and she wasn't going to settle. And Zach, of course, feels the same way. And he knows, truth was he admired her for being so clear about what she wanted, for calling out the tension that had slowly been building between them and letting him know she wanted no part of it. She was right. She was the kind of girl who was happy with a brief flirtation, maybe a fling, then they could have acted on the attraction between them. But Lacey wasn't that kind of girl. She wasn't that kind of girl to settle for anything short of her dreams. But really, what were the men of Marietta thinking? Why weren't they forming an orderly line around the block desperate to win her heart? If he was the kind of man capable of wooing and winning a girl like Lacey, he would make darn sure that he was at the front of that line. And that goes into him a little bit, but it also kind of goes back to her of her expectations and she knows what she wants. And I think that's really important because she's kind of balancing on this teeter-totter and she kind of keeps going up and then down up and then down because she's very driven like she knows what she wants in her career but she doesn't want to leave her safety nest and if you've bounced from place to place to place and you've never had roots roots that you feel you have like you have in the summer and stuff like that but like every day I can totally get it and I can see why she's kind of settling for being the full-time staff at the local radio station for the valley area and you know having interns and having all kinds of people come in and help and volunteers kind of fill in the gaps and stuff like that but she's running the entire station by herself she's 25. obviously she knows what she wants she just doesn't necessarily want to move herself out of there to get another place but i will say like one thing that kind of well two things really kind of got to me was okay first the lamenting my notes just say lord the woman wants to do more but seems to be shoveling herself into a spot that doesn't quite fit meaning marietta she wants to do more but she doesn't want to leave the safety of the nest i get that like we all do that she's just like a few years later than most people but in today's economy who the hell knows i just it doesn't necessarily work with her lack of self-confidence in this area but her confidence in everything else like it just it kind of graded and didn't quite fit kind of like when you're trying to shove two pieces together in the puzzle and they just aren't going to work but you're going to make them work same thing and I kind of think the insta love worked against her in some ways because she hasn't really had a chance to, to move on and try anything new she's 25 she graduated college she came back home she worked and she created her own little life but she hasn't really had one outside of her family 
she's gone from like her biological family like her mom dad and the nuclear family to the extended family of the aunts of her great aunt priscilla and patty and now she's going to go to her love interest like there's no way for her to grow outside of those relationships and i kind of wish that the scenes had kind of been a little bit further along and given her a little bit of time to kind of grow with that and like i mentioned she doesn't have any friends as far as i can tell and i kind of wish she had because it didn't really work necessarily like her best friends were her great aunts right why are you not friends with say someone in your own age group you went to school for two years and you don't always make friends and that makes sense you but you also went to college why don't you have a college friend come see you you know what i mean like there's that missing element of female camaraderie and that's nothing against priscilla and patty because those are amazing women but i think there's a, just such a huge generational gap that you're not going to be able to fit and ask the right questions if the person hasn't lived in the same generational period as you and then the only other person she has as a friend is zach and zach is like he's totally good with being friends until they're not but it's been like they've known each other at this point like three weeks a month like there's not a lot of time to really build that kind of relationship that i think a woman needs a woman needs to have someone she can talk to and I think that's honestly why Priscilla and Patty are friends because Priscilla was married to Bill and Bill was Patty's brother. Priscilla is much more of the homebody. I want to say almost like a rose from the Golden Girls. Like not quite, but what I mean is, is you know, she's got the flashy bright shirts and she's got like her slacks and her jeans or whatever. And she's just much more casual while Patty is much more Paris chic because she lived there for a long time working and being a chef out there after the love of her life sam died in vietnam she kind of like readjusted and she never remarried she never did anything like that and she's a remarkable baker and that's why she and priscilla work because they kind of do the home style desserts and stuff like that as opposed to like the more bakery that you find in other parts of marietta so it kind of works to be an industrial kitchen in their house kind of works out real well especially in what i imagine is you know those old Victorian houses that are like the size of a block? Like that's what I imagine like Crooked Corner is. That's what I imagine their home is. It's that huge style, you know, The especially out west you see a lot of them. You see them on HGTV a lot on House Hunters and stuff. Those, again, half block, block mansions. I kind of think that's what they live in. Because they've already got, they've got the regular house kitchen and they got the other kitchen. I liked the women in the story. Like that's why I wanted her to have someone more in her age range. It was, you know, a bit more like Leanna Morgan's All of Me. Like, I think that everyone needs to have their own sense of community within their own community, if that makes sense. And I kind of think it was missing a little bit. But one of the best lines in the whole book was actually between Patty and her almost mother-in-law, Mrs. Hoffman, Sam's mother. And there's just a feeling of connection not just within the characters but within the reader within the book and that's aunt patty smiled affectionately at the older woman and lacy's breath caught in her throat there was a world of lives not lived and opportunities missed in that smile and i think we all have moments like that especially as women like we all have these things of what if what had been what was going to be and i think that the they do a really good job of kind of talking about that as for other heroines honestly i think in many ways lacy could be fit in most small western town contemporaries i think she'd probably fit in pretty well she's not anti-social like some of the books i've been reading 
<laughs> lately in the Shelley Lawrenson's Pride series. Antisocial is kind of a wonderful trait for the women there. She's much more amicable and sweet and kind, and I think that she'd probably fit in most of those worlds. Actually, I could probably see her in Morgan's work, actually. Now, Zach Malone. This is a love interest. He's 28. He's very cynical. Lord knows the man is cynical. He had a rough upbringing, childhood, and I'll talk about that in a minute with the relatives, but you kind of see these different things with him. I don't know how to say how much he sucks or not because in many ways, he's actually really good for her because he's friendly. He tries to get her to move and the drive to do so, but some things don't always work out really well. And I think that he's a bit too determined on his own way of being. And I think that's a problem. I don't think he understands small towns because his small town did not do what Marietta is doing. To explain what Marietta is doing. So every year the community has like some kind of auction. Usually like a bachelor. Like the year before it was a bachelor auction where they auctioned everybody off. This year it's a bake-off. And the idea is to kind of raise funds for community efforts that need that extra backing. And in this case it's for an after-school program called Harry's House. And Harry apparently was a fireman that died while helping someone change a tire. So I guess someone ran into him. And so they're building this this old house that was donated to the city. And they've only got like a couple of months to come up with $25,000 to do the repairs, which doesn't sound very realistic, but maybe they can do a little bit and then get to the rest of it. Anyway, um, but the idea is, is to make the house more suitable so kids have a place to go after school or before school or on the weekends or just somewhere to be because you can't always predict what's going to happen with people. And I think that's really important and it actually plays into Zach's a little bit because Zach didn't have that. Growing up his family kind of treated him poorly I guess would be a, a nice way of putting it. Um, he was from a very rich affluent family until his father knocked up his personal assistant and that family took priority over the one that he was already married to and his mother became an alcoholic you know she died and at some point in a couple years ago and but like it created like this false narrative and then no one in the community stood up for him no one stood for him and no one gave him what harry's house is and that's why he signs up to be part of the bachelor bake office because he realizes that Maybe his town didn't do it, but maybe Marietta's not as bad as the rest. And he's right, it's not. It reminds me a little bit of the town. Growing up, there was a little town that I lived in for a very short time. Well, actually, for not for a very short time, but I lived in different places at different times with different people. And growing up, I went to Grayson Elementary. If anyone has ever been to Grayson, Georgia, they know it's bigger now. It's like twice the size it was when I was growing up. But there was very much a sense of community. Like, if I didn't have money for lunch or whatever, somehow I always got lunch, you know, that kind of stuff. And it wasn't anything against my dad. It was just there was a lot going on at home, and so you didn't always have what you need. And don't mind the jingling bells. It's just Lobo running around again. So, I understood this. When Zach meets up with Ty, he understands this about Ty. You know, he realizes this kid is starving. He's like, he, there's something wrong at home. And... Zach is the first one to notice that as an outsider, he can see it. He realizes it and he raises the awareness and it's good that he does because it turns out that Ty lives with his grandparents and his grandfather is taking care of his grandmother who had a sudden onset dementia. And if you've ever lived with anybody 
with dementia, if you've ever caretaken anybody with dementia, you know it can be some pretty gnarly stuff. And it's very like taxing on everything you do. And if you're not a good cook, if you're not used to it, it kind of can be a bit of a problem. But the idea is to know where you're from and take care of who are there, which is what Lacey does, which is why she so desperately wants to help the Harry's house. And that's why she's making this little documentary and she's putting it out for everyone to see. And Lacey fully acknowledges what he has done. And she said, you know, subscribed as the soft warmth of her touch burrowed deep inside, aching as it thawed him. You are helping. I know baking a few cookies sounds crazy to you, but it's really a big deal. And if something is wrong with Ty, then you are the first to notice, the first he allowed to notice, which means you might just be exactly what the kid needs. I think we've all been there. We all know that and we understand it. And like Zach's cynicism is well put in many ways because he was having to be a grown up long before he should have been. Because at 12, his parents divorced and he had to like basically take care of himself and his mom because his mom was just not into the sudden change in economic status, but also in expectations of that status in that class. And so it kind of left him as the caretaker and it kind of made him very not happy about small towns. That's why he's tried to avoid them. And there's a line in here that absolutely cuts me because I understand it so, so well. I say something similar all the time when I'm feeling down. And that is, hope was dangerous. It just led to bitter disappointment all over again. And that's a real familiar feeling, y'all. I don't know if anybody else has had it, but I do. And so it's kind of hard to say, does he suck? Does he not suck? Because in some ways, he oversteps every boundary that I would ever put it down. But on the other side... I can see where he's coming from, so it makes it a little bit harder to judge him like that. He's got a 16-year-old brother he doesn't even know. His dad's got an entire family he doesn't even know. His mom is dead. So what is he supposed to do? There's, there's not a lot left. But my biggest problem with Zach, honestly, was when he wasn't listening to Lacey. He would talk over her and tell her how she doesn't need to be stuck in Marietta, how she's got potential to do more, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you've known her for like a week. You know, at that point, you, you don't know her. Like, you're not sure. You've never met her before now. So why are you making these proclamations about someone that you don't technically know yet? And he kept telling her that. And he kept, like, beating it into her head. And I get she was feeling that way. But it's different when it's your internal voice versus an external voice that you don't even know. Telling you, well, you should be looking beyond a small town. You're better than small town, blah, 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 blah without listening to the fact that she needed that small town in many ways because that was her balance to her not so small town growing up. And I think that kind of bothered me a lot. Actually, it bothered me a whole lot. So I don't really know how to balance that into a particular number. Just not great, but not really bad either. So I don't know how to put that. Here's how they meet. They meet when he shows up at Crooked Corner, which is her aunt's Airbnb basically. They show up because he's got to stay there. He's helping the town of Marietta, like, get their payments in order. Or so, I don't know, something about software. I don't software very much. I'm not a tax auditor. I'm not, like, any kind of auditor because numbers are scary things. But I will say that, you know, he had to be there for a couple weeks, about three weeks thereabouts. So, and he wasn't supposed to be there originally. It was supposed to be someone on his team, but his team member couldn't do it, so he had to do it. Because he owns a software business. That's basically what he does. He does that kind of stuff. 
and she's been there since high school so she's comfortable in her room and in her part of the house and he's living in kind of an extension area of the house it's got its own like living space bathroom bedroom like it's kind of like the only thing that he has to really share is like the kitchen and the actual living space like the living room dining room stuff like that piano stuff like that it's more like a b&b and an airbnb and one i don't really know how to describe it uh, and then they have a mini bet so he's gonna be the bachelor because her brother nate couldn't do it Lacey's brother nate couldn't do it so he steps in and says okay i'll do this and then he's like wait a minute you're not gonna do anything and she's like no i really can't bake which i feel her pain anyway so when he agrees to do all this, he finds out, you know, that she can't do it. And so he creates this little mini bet. First, it's like $50 for every one of the little mini bets because the bake-off has got three sections, cookies, pie, and cake. And they have to have run-ups to each of those. So it's $150 guaranteed for the $25,000 needed. And that's not insignificant when you consider it. So she agrees to it. She's like, okay. But let's make it a little bit more personal. And by making it a little bit more personal, she wants to show him Marietta. Like she wants to show him that not all small towns are bad because he's still got that chip on his shoulder at this point. And so he's like, okay. And then he's like, if I win, it's my choice. And she's like, a choice of what? And he's like, whatever I want. And eventually it comes down to dating one of the bachelors because she realizes she needs to be out and like dating, I guess, and meeting people and kind of going outside of her little comfort zone. I'm like, okay, this doesn't do very well. And she loses out on all the money because, whoo, that woman cannot bake at all. She wakes worse than I do. That takes some talent. Now, is there any sex? No. It's not that kind of book. It's no heat. I mean, there is heat, but the heat is more in the buildup versus, like, the acting on it side of it. So, no heat, low heat, but there is a pretty good kiss and there's some character arcing. I wasn't necessarily fond of the wrap-up of how it ended. It just, I think that for three weeks, it just, it felt very Hallmark movie. And this book was made into a Hallmark movie called Falling For You. So that makes sense to me, but it doesn't necessarily work within that boundary. Uh, I think it was a little bit too pat, a little bit too quick. I wish that, you know, they'd had more of a timeline. Like, I wish that he'd left and then he'd come back, like, five months later and she'd moved out because she got a job opportunity and had kind of started to build up her own life and kind of made her own way. And in the meantime, he was getting over his own shit because he had a lot of it internally, too. So it kind of would have given them time to build up and kind of not necessarily grow together, but grow in a way that would help them intertwine later on. Because I think at 25, she just kind of bounced from place to place to place. And I think that was kind of missing out a lot. It felt kind of weird. So for the wrap up, would I or would I not read this, reread it? I'm not really sure. I mean, I'm very interested in seeing the Hallmark version of this book now that I've read it. But I just, I wish there had been more time between the meet cute and the declaration. You know, I think that, like I said, Lacey needed more time away. There needed to be more of a growth on that side. And he needed to grow a little bit as well. And she made some moves, but mm, I don't know. Like I mentioned before, there's that whole timeline with the women, family. I'm like, okay. I gave up at some point. I'm like, I can't keep up with all these names. And then there was this weird vibe every once in a while. It rode that line between like almost off-putting but not at certain points 
because it's like, luckily she was tall, active, and had a healthy metabolism. But she ruefully acknowledged that she'd probably be a good dress and cup size smaller if she lived on her own. Smaller, but infinitely more miserable. Which, I don't really know how to describe that, but it just, it, it's like the first note I made in the book, and it just made me go, oh. It just, it was a bad discordant note for me, and considering she plays the piano, that actually was relevant, but it just, it, yeah, exactly. Uh, did or did I not like Jess Gilmore? Honestly, I don't know. And that's just because, again, like, it was a little bit Hallmarky, and that's not a bad thing. I love me some Hallmark movies. I am that girl. But I just felt a little bit off, maybe. I wish there had been just a little bit more. I definitely like her, her style of writing, and so I'll probably read another one to make that decision. It just wasn't an instant love. Instant love. <laughs> anyway, it wasn't one of those. So I'm hoping that it'll be a little bit better. The next one will be a little bit more fitting of my mood. She understands what works for her, and that's a good thing. I just don't know if it works for me yet. I'd have to try another one to find out. And then overall, would I recommend it? Probably. Like if you want something light, if you want something that you can just tear through and just enjoy and kind of get swept away in another world where you don't have to worry about shit going on in your life, absolutely. So there's my review. Not really sure how good this review is, but you got one. So go team y'all. All right. So here's the future podcast of the episode. It's an unusual one for me because it's Shakespeare and if anybody knows me knows I don't really care for Shakespeare that much. I care for a couple things he's done, but in general I don't like the bard. I think he's just... But there's this great podcast called What You Will. It's hosted by bard thespians Danielle and Charlotte and they break the play into two parts. The first one is more about the characters and then a little bit more of the plot and then the second one kind of goes into the meat of the story about what's not liked like or that's how I hear it anyway because I listened to several episodes or several plays by them already and of course my favorite episode will revolve around much do about nothing because <laughs> much do about nothing Benedict and Beatrice are my everything I even disagree a little bit because I think Keanu Reeves was actually a really good casting for Don John I think that he did that smarmy role really well I think it really played up against the way the other actors were chosen for their particular roles. Especially when you consider Smarmy, Don John, and Michael Keaton as Dogberry, and yet they work. I don't know, but it works. And I also like how the Danielle and Charlotte invite other people into it. Like, they'll have other thespians that deal with Shakespeare and what their experiences are like, what they don't, what they do like. You know, it, it kind of gives it more of a communal feel in some ways, and I think that's pretty cool. And then, of course, at the end of every first episode, there are the one-star reviews, which are great. Because sometimes I agree with the one-star reviews. Sometimes I think they're not so great, along with, you know, the host. But, you know, it kind of gives it that interesting vibe of, again, that communal feeling. And I also like, you know, how they have, like, they'll read an act or, or a soliloquy or whatever. And they'll read it and they'll... Um, have like different voices so they'll change it on a dime and so it really works and okay so there's a few what you will podcast on itunes when i looked it up and this is the one to find so if it's got a skull listening to headphones on a podcast on a pink background write one use that one you can also find it at charlotte a h l i n dot com slash what 
dash you dash will slash and I found them through the Lady Pod Squad Lady Pod Squad group and I'm glad I did. I couldn't really find them on social media in general for this kind of stuff so I can't give you any of those links. But definitely download it, listen. Again, I'm a fan of Much Ado About Nothing, but they also did a really good one on Romeo and Juliet, a play I actively hate, by the way. But I found it very interesting to have, see how they kind of framed it up. If you want to be entertained, listen to it. If you don't want to be entertained, I'm sure there's something else out there for you. So listen to what you will. <laughs> Okay guys, this is my wrap up. I'm going to head out to the nether regions of I don't know where Ville and go to work. But I wanted to say thank you for listening. I did actually enjoy baking for keeps. Definitely think you should listen to what you will and not your little lady because I'm Southern. Why the hell wouldn't I promote another Southern one? Hello. If you guys want to get in touch with me, you can catch me on Twitter, Instagram at damsels podcast it's also email damselspodcast at gmail.com and i'm technically on, on facebook but i never actually use it but i'm there oh oh before i go thank you so much for mouse and weens for listening to our love story and writing a little bit and y'all i was real serious about that jason momoa has nothing on sin i'm sorry one makes me really, really happy. One makes me squeak. One will hold my hair when I'm vomiting. One needs someone else to hold his hair while he's vomiting. Fiance always wins every time. Bye guys. <laughs>